Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Hello. How are you? Well, look at the weather out there. As snow. we record, as we record, shitty, lots of snow. But then you look down the line here and it's going to be like warm, rainy, and then and then warm, like 8 degrees, 6 to 8 degrees, depending on where you're listening from. On Thursday, so it's all going to melt away. But for the time being, um, I'm one of those people. Uh, it's only January 20-something, what is it, 23rd, and I'm sick of the snow. Yeah. It's, it's official. Ridiculous. Uh, usually, we like to start by running down some of the things that are happening today and give it a good discussion, and we will. But first, I figured we'd flip it around this time. Let's talk about the Oscar nominations, which just came down. Yeah. I think we'll do, like, Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, and then I want to talk about The Bachelor before we get on to the good stuff here. Okay. The other good stuff. Uh, the other good stuff. Have you seen any other movies that are nominated? Like, that have so far during this award season? Like, is there any? Have you seen Oppenheimer? Have you seen the Barbie movie? No, I saw a little bit of Oppenheimer, which is, I think, consistent with most people. Tried to make it through, but it was so fucking boring that... I, I just couldn't. It's long. I mean, for me, I, I don't even care what movie it is and who the director is. I don't care what the actor is starring in it. A three-hour movie is too long. That's my opinion, all right? Um, and there's been a lot of good movies that are three hours, but they're, they, should, they still didn't need to be three hours is my point. Uh, okay, so Oscars, best picture. I'll run this down real quick. Uh, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and the zone of interest. I have wa- I have seen the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer out of that entire list. I still haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon, even though I'm a huge Leo DiCaprio fan, because that one looks a little slower to me than like the, the usual pace that I like in a movie. However, apparently very well done, and I will watch it before the Oscars on March 10th. Best Actress, Annette Bedding, uh, Lily Gladstone, uh, Sandra Huller, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, from Anatomy of a Fall. Carrie Mulligan and Emma Stone. It's between the Stones, if you will. Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone in that category, for sure. Emma's cleaned up quite a bit, but Lily's also won some in that category. Between the Stones is an interesting name. Yeah. I'm going to save that for something. <laughs> yes. Something could be called Between the Stones. It's a good band name or something. Mm. Uh, best actor, Bradley Cooper, Maestro. He has not won one yet, um, but nonetheless, for Maestro, he's nominated. Coleman Domingo for Rustin. No idea. Paul Giamatti, he's a great actor. I haven't seen The Holdovers, but he's a great actor. Uh, Killian Murphy's probably going to win that one. Like, no doubt about it. He's won every single other one. Uh, He's an Oppenheimer, of course, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. And as I look through the Best Supporting list, Emily Blunt, Daniel Brooks, America Ferreira for Barbie. I'd like her to win that one, but I don't know if she'll beat Divine Joy Randolph, who keeps winning these ones from The Holdovers, uh, and Jodie Foster as well. Uh, Best Supporting? Sterling K. Brown. I love seeing him in that category. Love that guy. Uh, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, Mark Ruffalo. And it's probably Robert Downey Jr.'s to lose if I had to place any money. And I will actually place money on these because I'll be in an Oscar pool. Very good. Yeah. That good for you? Jimmy Kimmel, by the way, host. Good idea. You like Jimmy as a host of shows? Uh, ish. I like that better than like, don't bring me a random. Like, don't bring me no rando 
a D-list stand-up that doesn't know the room and understand how it works. So just go ahead. Jimmy Kimmel likes everybody and he's friends with like everybody. So fine, put him on stage. At least they're going to fake laugh at his jokes. Otherwise, it's so awkward to watch. The problem with Jimmy Kimmel is he's just not that funny. He, he's got a lot of writers and it's amazing that that's the best they could come up with. It's, uh, you know, I thought when Amy Schumer hosted, that was last year, right? With Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Was that last year? Was that last year? Or the year before. Anyway, she was the host that year and, and did a fabulous job. Yes, that's right. So I would be in favor of that. That was again. the year before, I think, by the way. It could be. Yeah. I, I don't know. Time, I, right? What is time even? It, I don't it's know. the Oscars. It's uh, so much hype leads up to the Oscars and people playing parties and all sorts of shit. There's pools. And I just find it never actually lives up to the hype. Other than Will Smith slapping out Chris Rock, there's really not much that goes on at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, I do tend to agree, and I've seen some of these movies. That said, I will watch it, okay? I have a deal. We have a deal on the Scott and Cat show. Scott will watch a lot of things that you don't have to. I watch some things, and the award shows are in my category of stuff I'll watch so you don't have to. So just put it on the Scott and Cat show that next morning. And during What's Trending that I do, um, I'll run down the quick highlights for you. So it's like you watched it. What did you think of The Bachelor? Did you watch it last night, the premiere of the new season? I watched a little bit of it. No, I did not watch the whole thing. Um, but I did watch a little bit of it because I was interested in a bit of a twisty-turny situation that happened there. In a letter that said someone could steal someone else's one-on-one, they're yeah. trying to cause cat fights. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to use the term cat fights because I feel like that's what they're looking for here. Okay. I gave up on The Bachelor a while ago because I thought that what they did to Chris Harrison was woke nonsense. And Chris Harrison is still an excellent host. And hopefully they come to their senses and bring him back at some point. However, I did watch last night because I was kind of curious. And I like this Bachelor. What's his name? It's uh, Joey. Joey. Mm -hmm. Good guy. He's a professional tennis instructor or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's got a great personality. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of good options. I watched these girls last night and and they were all rolling up in their limos and stuff trying to make the big entrance and some of them were cute, some of them were cringy. Yeah. Some of these girls you can tell right off the bat are crazy, like just actually batshit crazy. <laughs> uh others but That's what they want, right? That's what they do it on purpose. I, I Joey seems like a real smart guy and I don't know how he's going to do it cuz I get the impression he's an intelligent person as well. And every one of these fucking girls can't string a sentence together without saying like three times. And they're very whiny and they talk like this. And it, they're so in love with him, even though they've never met him before now. And God damn it, it's hard to watch. But I love it, Kat. I love the drama. Mm -hmm. I think this season of The Bachelor is going to be one of their most watched in recent years, probably since Chris Harrison. And I think it all has to do with the Golden Bachelor. That's what kind of got people back into it. Yeah, because it was different, right? And it seems as though they're putting things in play in this upcoming Bachelor season that's going to be a little bit different like that. I don't mind a little cutthroatness. Like, why not? They love it, too. They love the drama because usually they just feed them a bunch of booze. They feed the girls a bunch of booze and then the drama ensues from there. But in this case, they're putting in letters. I say, why not? Go full-fledged like Survivor X Bachelor on this one. Two networks, I know. But let's just combine them together. And let's just make it like hardcore. Let's do endurance comps. Fuck it. Let's starve some people for a little bit. See how crazy they get. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the desper it's the desperation for me. And I don't know if it's probably an age thing, to be honest. Like, probably. As you get older, right, you're, you look at things like people in these scenarios that are acting like their world is over because they didn't get a rose. And you're just like, fucking suck it up. Like you knew him for two weeks. Stop fucking bawling in the back of a limo. 
Right? I know. You know, like there's so much more in life. Golden Bachelor, that's why I liked it. It was so different because these are people who are like seasoned in life. And they even they were like, let it roll off their back. Like, oh, good luck with the rest of them then, sweetie. You're a good man. I'll move on. They have barely any years left. You're 20 fucking five years old. Suck it up, buttercup, and move along. Thank you. Nobody should be that upset about not getting a rose from a guy that you barely know. You barely know him. And he doesn't like you. So fucking move on. Do you think these girls go on the show to find love? Or do you think they go on the show to get attention and and set up their resume for the yeah. future? Mixed bag. Mixed bag. I think you get a mixed bag. But it's very easy, I think, in a lot of cases to figure out who those people are who are just there for the television exposure. Maybe they have a business that they want to that they want, I don't know, to draw attention to. Maybe it's because they want to find a guy, but it's not necessarily this guy. Could be any number of reasons. Or just to be an influencer, just to have influencer status. There's a lot of people like that, I think. Um, before we go any further, can I just say thank you so much? I forgot to mention this yesterday, but the podcast on Monday, I mentioned, uh, oh no, was it Monday or Friday? Yeah, it was Monday, I think. I mentioned uh, Reba, the Reba song that was on SNL. You guys delivered, I got dozens of DMs from people sending me the link because they found the link to Kenan Thompson playing Reba on SNL. The music video specifically was what I was looking for. So I want to say thank you. You guys you guys are the best. You were you sleuths. You slid into my DMs and I really appreciate you guys for that. Love it. This audience, the people that listened after nine daily, thank you. You guys are so good at keeping us in check and helping us out when we need those hard to find resources. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. Kat's absolutely right. Uh, Okay, let's run through a couple of things that are happening today. Uh, This one actually came down as we were recording yesterday. They have formally imposed a cap on the number of international students coming into Canada. I didn't know this. This year, there's 560,000 international students spread out amongst Canada's universities. That's a lot of students. They're cutting it by 35%. Some people are speculating that could lead to higher tuition for domestic students. Yeah. I, I still think that we charge full pop to the ones who do not get the grades and, and scholarships for the ones who do so that it doesn't need to be a tuition increase. And let's put this back to education instead of a lot of the woke shit that seems to happen in universities. York Region Police and Canada Border Services announced yesterday they've recovered 52 stolen vehicles from the GTA and Southwestern Ontario, valued at 3.2 million dollars between October and January. Project Mamba, as they're calling it, revealed a group of criminals who were using residential areas to store vehicles that had recently been stolen. 11 people charged with 96 criminal offenses. It's amazing how quickly they can get off their ass and start looking for vehicles when they start getting criticized by the media. Yeah. The prime minister just announced yesterday that they're holding a summit to try and combat the number of vehicles being stolen. Was that the reminder that police needed? Because it seems like they're not doing shit unless somebody tells them to. They weren't arresting people for some of the protests that happened regarding Israel and Hamas until the prime minister went and met with the chief of police in Toronto, and then, bam, lo and behold, they charged somebody Mm -hmm. the next day. They weren't doing shit about these vehicles that are getting stolen until now the prime minister convenes uh, a panel next month, and now, lo and behold, they recover 52 of them. Mm. Makes you wonder what's going on, eh? I do. I think that's that's what I was going to say, is I think there's a lot more happening that they're not telling us yet, that they're not making us aware of. Or it really just is, like, negligence in a way. 
It's one of the two, but I'd like to think that there's a lot more happening behind the scenes. Like they're on to something. They can't let it be known they're on to something. That's what I always like to think anyway. It makes me feel better. I am a stalwart supporter of the police, and I think that in most cases they deserve the funding that they're asking for. But every police force is in front of every city council in Ontario right now asking for a budget increase. And you hear shit like people's cars are getting stolen and they're not even showing up to the call. And and I'm wondering, well, why the fuck should we give them more money? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are wondering questions like that. But at least now, it seems like things are getting done. Premier Ford did a news conference yesterday. He said the decision to close 11 service Ontario locations and convert them to kiosks at Staples and Walmart comes down to convenience. The province is going to be paying to retrofit stores that are going to host the kiosks. Yesterday, Ford pointed out these will be open until 10 p.m., making them far more convenient for those who just because of their work can't make it to a 9 to 5. Oh, okay, I do like that. They project this change is also going to save the taxpayers a million dollars a year. And yet, despite that, you still get some of these Well, there's people out there that just want to criticize anything the government does. There's even reporters out there that want to criticize everything the government does. I don't know what happens to people when they get appointed to the Queens Park Press Bureau, but some of these people just go so far anti-government. It's crazy. I'm glad Ford called one of them out yesterday because he was getting obnoxious about it. Listen, at the end of the day, these Service Ontario locations are there for one reason, for us to get our Ontario services, your health card, your sticker or renew your plate. Uh, They are there for you to get your license renewed or whatever, need a new picture because it got stolen, whatever. That's what they're there for. Hunting licenses, that sort of shit. They should be as convenient as possible. And right now they're not. And I, you ask anybody, if you walk down the street and said, hey, want to go to Service Ontario? (laughs) People are going to be like, fuck no. That place is is the lines and it's crazy. Costs money every time you go. It was quiet as can be when I went in there, but it all depends what time you go in there, right? Absolutely. Well, now, and I have a feeling it's going to be more than 11, but for now, they're going to put some of these kiosks in Staples and Walmart. And and people are, the ones who don't want to like or support anything that this government does are shitting all over it. Oh, so I got to wander through the aisles and go to, what, between the desks and the filing cabinets, I got to go and renew my health card there. Yeah, you yeah, fucking do. I don't, yeah, it's not that hard. We're, we're not going to pay rent in strip malls anymore. We're not going to pay rent in, in any of these places anymore, like malls and shit. If we can set up a kiosk yeah. that's even more convenient and saves us a million dollars a year, my only question is why the hell didn't we do this sooner? Yeah, especially for the things that don't need, like I'm, I'm assuming the stuff that needs pictures, for example. If I have to renew my driver's license, I need a photo. You do have to go to a place that has a person and, and get all that kind of stuff done in person, correct? I don't think. Or I, do you I, think I, that the kiosk will allow you to do that? I think the kiosk allows you to do wow. that there. I, I think it's like full service, service Ontario. Okay, interesting. Um, are people worried about jobs? Are some of the bitching and moaning about jobs? I don't know. I mean... No matter what, to work at Service Ontario, you need security clearance. We can't have just the people that work at Staples right now, no offense, or the people that work at Walmart, no offense. We can't just give you access to the Ontario licensing system. There's security checks that need to be done. There's training that needs to be done. So I have a feeling that we're not really eliminating that many jobs. We're just relocating the jobs, i.e. instead of going to a a mall or a strip plaza where Service Ontario is now, now you just work out of Walmart or Staples or wherever that kiosk happens to be. So I'm not worried about that. And you know what? If we are losing some jobs here, then we probably didn't need those jobs to begin with. They don't look very happy when they work there anyway. They don't. Honestly, the last time I went in, oh my goodness gracious.
Seriously. My only criticism of this, and, and I'm always trying to be fair on this, we're paying to retrofit Staples and Walmarts that are going to host these locations. Oh, I was wondering about that. How much money is needed for that? Well, they didn't say. And no matter what, apparently it still works out to a million dollars a year in savings. But we don't need... Whoever negotiated this deal, this is where you went wrong. The, the optics of giving taxpayer money to the biggest corporation in the world, Walmart, for them to do a reno for something that's actually going to bring people into their stores, and presumably they'll do more than just renew their license or health card. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to do some shopping. Why not? That's a benefit for them. Huge benefit. They should have been paying us for the rights to have that service Ontario there, not us paying them to renovate their store. They're not doing us a favor because they're going to benefit from it. So if you want to be critical of the government working out a bad deal to give Staples and Walmart two big yeah. box store conglomerates, I totally agree with you. We probably didn't need to do that. But until we see the deal, I don't know what else got negotiated there. Uh, oh, there was another one I wanted to talk about, too. Oh, yeah, here it is. Let's talk tourism. Tourism in Toronto is still hovering below pre-pandemic levels. Destination Toronto released a new report on the visitor economy last year, and they say the city is still at just 93% of pre-COVID levels when it comes to tourism. Last year... million visitors came to Toronto. That's actually down from 9.6 million. The report says it cost visitors a lot more to come to Toronto, so they might not be back. Tourism spending topped $7 billion, but a lot of that was due to inflation. In other words, they come here and we squeeze them. I've thought that for years, Kat. I wonder if we could make Ontario a little more welcoming. I'll give you an example. When people land at Pearson, if we didn't lose your luggage, we send you on your way. And you can jump in an Uber, and it's a $60 Uber ride to downtown if you want to go down to, like, Union Station, Fairmont. Right. If you want to take the Up Express, you got to walk a long way. And even that's not cheap, but cheaper than taking an Uber. Mm -hmm. You could take a cab. It would cost you about the same as an Uber. It's Mm -hmm. expensive because you don't actually land in Toronto. You land on the outskirts in Mississauga. And then you have to get about half an hour to 45 minutes, maybe an hour with traffic downtown. So that's the first thing that happens when you come here. We probably lost your luggage and then we handed you a big bill to get to where you're going. But then you're here. Great. Good. Go look around. I would never vacation in Toronto. I don't know who these people are that come to Toronto to vacation. I don't get it because everything is hella expensive. Whether you want to go to uh, a museum or you want to go to Ripley's or you want to go up the CN Tower, we will screw you at every turn. And then we're going to charge you 13% tax on top of everything. Then we're probably going to charge you a carbon tax fee. Then we're going to give you credit card fees. And it's just obnoxious. Even if you want to go to a game, Oh, you flew in to see the Jays play the Yankees this weekend. Even those tickets are going up a lot. It's expensive to come here. I really don't get why people do it. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is expensive. I don't know. I would argue a lot of the touristy spots are expensive, though. I mean, same thing goes for Niagara Falls. Same thing goes for uh, New York City. I mean, you mentioned one, like Yankees. Okay, so opposite. There's a lot of Toronto fans that might go to New York for a weekend. That's expensive all on its own, too. I've done the touristy thing, but I don't tend to stay there anymore as much as I used to. I used to stay in Toronto, no problem. Hotel Royal York was my jam personally, and I used to go to, you know, whatever. It was it was a Leaf game or it was a Jays game or an event, a concert, whatever. 
I, d- I don't tend to stay in the city as much anymore because they do rip you for parking and the cost, obviously, of staying overnight is another factor. Like, that's expensive all on its own, but then they want to charge you like $100 to park at the car overnight if there's even parking available because on really busy times when there's like an expo in town or something, good luck even getting a parking spot. You got to get there really early in the morning. When Comic-Con's in town and shit like yeah. that, yeah, you're right. You'll never get one. You got to do it the right way. And for me, because we're close enough, where, where I am anyways, close enough for a drive, I think anyone listening here, for the most part, most of you, or if you're in Ontario and in south or southern or southwestern Ontario, you can manage a one-day Toronto trip. So that's what I do. Um, last summer, I did that. So I went down in the morning, did the CN Tower. We did the whole touristy thing with the family, family that was down. I think most people, when they host family, they do that. Uh, we did the CN Tower, did the Ripley's Aquarium thing, and then got out. Got out of there. And that was it. That was all. Uh, but yeah, the people who stay for like a week, where are you staying? Yeah. Where How do you, you afford that? It's like $500 a night. Yeah. Like you're better off staying at, you know, those airport hotels, actually. What I will say about airport hotels, because I've stayed at a few in the last little while. They're, they're the best bet. It depends on what you're doing, of course, but you're out of the, you're out of the way. You could take the car or a cab or a, tra- it's a little more accessible. Usually there's usually some form of, of uh, transportation available to you at that airport. Even if that means you got to take an Uber to the go station, whatever. It's cheap. They include breakfast. It still has a pool and all that other shit to keep families occupied. I don't know. I don't mind it. Okay, so just yesterday, it's funny you should mention the airport hotels. Just yesterday, I was reading a Google review that somebody filled out on the, it was one of the airport hotels, and they said it's basically like checking into a refugee shelter. There are so many asylum seekers and refugees that are being put up in hotels, and I guess they're moving them out to the airport because they are cheaper than the downtown hotels. Oh, that uh, apparently like the Toronto ho- included. Yeah. Oh, dang. Apparently, it's this person said it was basically uninhabitable. Uh, there was kids running around everywhere. Mm. People hanging their laundry out. It, it was awful. Well, thank you for those who review those things because I think those things are important to note. Well, it's not like you're going to find that on the hotel's website. No. Oh, by the way, we've got 300 uh, asylum seekers here. Yeah, they're not advertising it. So. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean. Read the reviews. Fuck. Read the reviews. Well, that's what I mean. Like, And sometimes, Scott, if you're going to do a trip, it's just worth it to just pay for it. Like, just know I'm going to get fucking ripped. I'm going to pay $800 for one night for this hotel because, fuck it, at least I know what I'm in for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather than take a, take a roll the dice. It's up to you, right? But, yeah, it's good to know. I don't understand why we're putting up asylum seekers and refugees in nice hotels. And I don't think that we should put them in squalor or anything like that. But honest to God, there's a huge difference between a downtown Toronto hotel, which could appeal to tourists and executives and athletes and so on and so forth. And they can get good money for those rooms. But the government is paying the bill and the hotels will take government money because the government overpays on everything. Mm -hmm. They should move these asylum seekers as far out of the big cities as possible. No, 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 no. You're not staying here. If you want to stay at the Toronto Airport Hilton, pay for the Toronto Airport Hilton. But if you're here living off the taxpayer dime, you're going to be staying at a Holiday Inn in Sudbury. Yeah, or the shit, like give them the ship motels. And sorry, motels, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a ton of There's them. There's a ton of ship motels. And I know that they deal with enough issues at those ship motels to begin with when it comes to drugs and, and other things. But maybe we could try to like clear some of them up completely for this. We don't, I don't know. We don't need asylum seekers and refugees taking up the, the fucking corner Falls View suite with a hot tub in Niagara Falls. 
That's not what that hotel room is there for. That's for tourists or people like us that want to go and visit. Yeah. That's not where we put people who may not even be allowed to stay here. They just haven't had their their hearing yet. Anyway, the other issue with uh, tourism is it's actually keeping people away now is the traffic. Enough people around the world have heard how bad Toronto traffic is that they think, you know what? It's not worth it. Fuck it. I'll go to Calgary or I'll go to Vancouver. I'll go to Halifax. I'm not going to Toronto because it's a shit show. It is a shit show. And that's another point, a good point, because even if you're trying to save some money by staying in Mississauga or whatever, you got to drive downtown. It's fucking awful. Terrible. I can't stand going there for that reason, for traffic. It will easily take you over an hour to do what should be a 15-minute drive. Yeah, or less in in some cases. And If you're getting out of a concert or Jay's game, I mean, any number of things, oh, good luck. Good luck. It's awful. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kat, you're going to be shocked to hear this, but yet another transit project is going way over budget. The Toronto Transit Authority says the conversion of the now decommissioned Scarborough Rapid Transit line into a busway is going to cost $12 million more than they initially thought, and it's at least a year behind schedule. It will now not be ready until 2026 at the earliest. The cost is now estimated to be nearly $68 million, although the TTC staff say that could fluctuate a little bit once the design work is complete. The SRT was decommissioned following a derail a derailment earlier this year. Riders have been taking buses, which travel along dedicated bus lanes on regular roads. Can I just say that for anybody listening outside of Toronto, everything about that story was a red flag. Every single part of it. You mean to tell me, because we had this, this Scarborough Rapid Transit line, which wasn't very good. It only went a couple of different places, but you could use it. Well, it derailed and it was old. So we said, all right, fuck it. We're just going to take it out of commission. We're going to replace it with a busway. What is a Can you just, sorry, pause for a second. What's a busway? You may have seen them in some cities. Uh, a busway is where they basically section off the road so that there's a dedicated lane just for the buses okay. to pull in. Okay. How in the holy shit does converting that Cost $68 million and take three and a half years to do at least. How? Who negotiates these deals? When they say, yeah, it's going to be $12 million over budget, then fire them. No, not going to be $12 million yeah. over budget. You said it would cost sixty-eight. No, it's now estimated to be sixty-eight. You guys said it would cost fifty-six. Now mm. you're saying sixty-eight. 
fuck you. You're done. That's the contract. Either do it for 56 and have it open on time or fuck off. We'll get somebody else to do it. I don't understand why we just keep taking it from these contractors that say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have it open in a year. This is how much it'll cost. And then halfway through the project say, well, our estimate was a little Mm, off. Yeah, come on. Fuck these people. I know. I wish. I so wish. I mean, we. it's pointless even saying it, I guess. But God, I wish we could just blow shit up and start fresh. You know what I mean? And I don't mean literally blow up. So please don't take me literally. But you know, you guys know what I mean. You see other cities, other cities, other areas, um, provinces or states, depending on what you're talking about, doing it so well. Like they've just got it down pat. Boom. It works. It's smooth. Bus system. Transit. Fuck, it's glorious. And then it's like, what a gong show. It's like, a, it's like enter the clown music when you're talking about here. It's a total clown show. It's total clown the, show. These aren't serious people. They clearly have never run a business in their life, and they're horrible negotiators. Uh, we had a great discussion today on the Scott and Cat show, and it's not even a new discussion, but it is one that I think has evolved. They asked people, hey, would you rather do the job that you love, even if it doesn't pay you enough to pay the bills? Or would you rather do a job that you hate, but gives you all the money that you need? It's actually kind of surprising. I thought with the way things are going now, people would certainly opt for the money. The cost of living is out of control. People might like to own a home someday. And I thought money is going to trump all this year. And it almost didn't. Here's how the numbers break down. When they asked people, would you prefer a job that you love or a high-paying job, 66%, two-thirds, said they would pass on the extra money to have a job they loved doing. However, younger adults under 35, 52% say they would take the job they love. 48% would take the money. Well, that should show you right there how badly young Canadians are getting screwed over by the current economic system and the current housing market and things like that. But let's take it up. I don't know how anyone can responsibly say, yeah, I mean, based on my spending needs and budget and my rent and all that sort of thing, I figure I need to make about 80 grand a year. But I don't really want to do that. I'd really rather just be uh, have fun at work. So I'll take the job that pays 40 grand and I guess some bills aren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how people could do that. I, it, it just doesn't make sense in my head. You got to really, really crave happy all the time to want to do that, to be able or to ignore your financial obligations just because you'd rather be happier for those eight hours a day. One thing I will say to that, though, is, I mean, you've always loved your job, right? Always. We're not just bullshitting you guys. When you say like, I'm so, I consider myself so blessed, so lucky. I work 12 hours a day virtually. I work 12 hours a day, work radio, have a voiceover side hustle, but which is like basically kind of two full-time jobs. And I don't feel like I work. Like that's exactly like what I've always wanted. What a lot of people strive for, right? Is to love what they do. And we're lucky in that way. So you've never had to take like, I can never see you, for example, sitting at a desk all day at a computer I don't know, running numbers. No, I probably wouldn't do You'd that. You'd fucking hate it. Although I teach accounting, but I would never do that. <laughs> By you learning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody actually just DM'd me the other day. I'm bored to tears doing this accounting, culminating, blah, blah, blah. And I swear that's your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did do some accounting courses. Um, so you, for example, wouldn't... See, for me, I worked a job I fucking hated for nine months and it was at a desk. It was at a desk at a place I didn't like. I didn't want to be toxic environment. It's changed now. I've talked about it before, but it's changed now. Didn't love it. 
If you would have told me I'd make twice as much doing that right now if I switched to it, I still wouldn't do it. Happiness means so much more to me. And again, if you're lucky enough to make money that makes you happy or comfortable even, let's just even use comfortable and like what you do, I say you win. So for me, I'll take happiness over a job I hate and loathe for more money any day of the week. Any day of the week. See, I'm thinking about the example of my own daughter who graduated university and she has a, a Bachelor of Science now. She specializes in animal medicine, but specifically exotic animal medicine. It's a very specific thing. Uh, zoos might hire her. Uh, private collectors might hire her. There's a lot of opportunity. But the median salary is laughable. Not even close to where someone just at a university with student debt and rent to now pay and cell phone bills Mm -hmm. and insurance, not even close to where she needs to be. So while she went to school for it, while she loves it and she's passionate about it, she had to take a job in a completely unrelated field because you got to pay the bills. Yeah. And and you're lucky because the job that you love also pays your bills. But if the job you love doesn't yeah then you have to do the job you don't want to do but you can't let your financial obligations fall to the wayside just so you can be happier right me i'll i'll prioritize you know what i hate this fucking job but it's only eight hours a day and i've got 16 other hours to try and do something that i do like doing but i'll suck it up and do the shitty job just because i need that money you're not alone by the way some people do uh, agree with you on that but majority of people who tech can i read a couple of texts that we had coming in because i think some of these are interesting it'll give you a good idea when it comes to numbers too sure so this person says, I'm currently at a six-figure construction job. I would love to work with animals doing wildlife rehabilitation, but I can't justify $50,000 yet less per year for happiness. Yeah, we, we pay Similar. Sh- shit when it comes to animal care. Yeah. Um, I love uh, my job. I work in the gas industry. I'm pretty sure that I'm way overpaid, though. <laughs> South of $50 per hour for what I actually do in a day. Okay, that's good that you love it. And don't tell anyone you feel like you're overpaid. Shh, you keep that to yourself. We'll keep you anonymous. Um, all I want is $10,000 more a year and I'd be comfortable, says mm. this person. So not necessarily about the happiness. School bus driver. We don't make good enough money, but I'm comfortable. It's not a job for someone that has to pay a lot of bills. So is there also something to you got to adjust your life to it? And that's the truth. So if you want to be happy, and we have had these conversations before, we've had texters say, I wanted to work for a non-for-profit. I think everybody knows, by and large, non-for-profits do not pay great, especially what you're probably worth hustling for that uh, for that special cause in your life, but you adjust your life, right? So you say, fuck, you know, I, I make 100000 at this job, but I really want to take this non-for-profit job. All they can give me is 55 max. I'm going to have to cut back on X, Y, Z, or maybe it means you move. Anything to make sure that that happiness is there for you? The executives at not-for-profits get paid exceptionally well. It's the workers who actually go out and do all the mm-hmm. work that don't get paid very well. Yeah. Hey, listen, we've kind of lost our way here. When it comes to the workforce, there are some jobs that are only worth a certain amount of money. Are we willing to pay somebody, I don't know, 50 bucks an hour to drive a school bus? No, no, it's not worth that much to us. It's not. It'd be cheaper to give everybody a fucking bus pass and take regular transit. It's not worth it. Certain jobs are going to cap out at a certain amount. The problem here is too many people have gone too far into the, I want to do what I like or a job that suits my lifestyle, my hours. I want to work from home a couple days a week and do this. So people have worked themselves into jobs that really don't pay that well, but then they go and try and demand massive salaries for jobs that just aren't worth it. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you got into being, um, 
I know you and I don't agree on this topic, but if you got into being a, an ECE, an early childhood educator, because you are passionate about working with children, you are passionate about educating, good for you. But there's a threshold on how much that job pays. And if you want to make more, well, you'll probably have to take on some more education expense. You'll probably have to take on more hours and more responsibility. But you can't stand there in a job that, that you're doing what you love, great, but it doesn't pay the bills, and then do nothing but bitch and moan to the government that we need more money. There's a, a threshold to how much we're willing to pay for certain things to be done. And, and the threshold is different for every occupation, and I don't just mean ECEs. There's any number of examples. If you became a, a dental nurse, hygienist. Nurse might be another good one, too, because we've talked time and time again about how nurses are leaving uh, or want to leave for private care and are looking into it more and more. Sure. And if you love nursing, great. Good for you. If you found a nursing job that pays the money you need, great. I personally think nurses should be paid more than they currently are because, frankly, I find it hard to figure out exactly what doctors do these days. It seems like nurses are the ones on the front line doing most of the work. So I think they should be better paid. But at the end of the day, we can only afford to pay so much for a nurse or a dental hygienist. You can't go to be a dental hygienist and demand dentist money because you're a dental hygienist right. and there's only so, so much we the, can pay for that. The frustrating part, though, comes into, I mean, you mentioned the people who run the non-for-profits, the CEOs of the hospitals. They Some of them are grossly overpaid. So that's where the frustration lies for me is that you have people who are the leaders. I'm going to use air quotes because maybe they're not doing all the stuff on the ground, if you will, at the same amount as like a nurse would. But the CEO of the hospital is fucking cushy as can be. Oh, yeah. They're making you know? a fortune and they have no one that's, that they oh. need to be accountable to. You know yeah. what? I'm, I'm, let's go there because there's only like two or three minutes left in the pod. But we can have a quick discussion on this. It seems like healthcare is in a total calamity right now. Everybody is screaming, ah, we don't have enough resources. And in rural areas, sometimes ERs are shutting down. And, mm -hmm. and the opposition here in Ontario is screaming at the government, you've got to spend more money, pay more money. And frankly, I don't know that that's the solution now. We've got these private agencies that a lot of nurses, for example, are going to work for. And, and when a hospital doesn't have enough nurses, they'll call an agency and the agency can send them nurses or they can refer others, that sort of thing. Yeah. We've also allowed these surgical units, private ones, to open up and perform some of the surgeries that are getting done. You can get your knee replaced, your hip replaced. You don't even have to go to the hospital anymore. You go to one of these clinics, which are very boutique -y. They're very, very nice because they're privately run businesses. That's great, but again, it takes people out of the hospitals and the traditional system that we've got. Looking down the line five years at the amount of people that are leaving the public system to go to the private system... I don't know that we're going to have a public system left. It's worrisome. Because you know who's not leaving is those well-paid CEOs that are making between 500 and a million dollars a year. They've got a great gig, but they're not very good at it. I don't know a single hospital that's running at peak efficiency with a happy staff. There's a reason people are going to the private sector. As a patient, I don't mind it. As long as I get the care that I need, I'm good with it. If I need a test, I want to know I can get the test done. Lab results, I want them quick. ER. ER. Be fast wait times. Like no wait. Or well, no wait times be like a dream, but, you know, make it reasonable. Make it an hour or less. Why do we got to sit in here for five fucking hours? And, and worse, I know there's some people who've waited for like 12 well, there's people who would just seem to be pre-programmed. Maybe it was the way they were raised or the crew that they roll with that seem to think, oh, no, we can't have anything private in the healthcare system. And I'm here to tell you guys, this is where it's got to go. 
Because the current system is not working. How many tens of billions of dollars a year do we need to spend to keep all these hospitals open and staffed when it doesn't matter how much we spend, they're always coming back saying it's not enough. Why don't we just do this? No matter what, the government is always going to pay for health care in Canada. It's the law. So that being the case, and we know we've got a budget that is not infinite without raising taxes again, why don't we say to somebody, maybe you, Kat, you're an entrepreneur, go ahead and spend the money. Invest $20 million to build a hospital, and your return on investment is probably going to be, um, you'll probably have that hospital paid off in about three years, and everything after that is profit other than paying your staff. There's people out there who would gladly go into business by opening up a hospital, and they only have one client, the government of Ontario, who's just going to pay the bill. Everybody comes in, they swipe their health card, we run it like a business, which is what these private clinics are doing. They're a business, but nobody's paying out of pocket. Everybody's happy. Wait times are down, and we don't have to do the whole wait 24 hours in the ER. I think we need to have public hospitals, but maybe... It's not such a bad thing that there's more private options opening because it's kind of the way it needs to go. The old system wasn't sustainable, and I haven't seen a single proposal from any of those well-paid hospital CEOs to fix the problem. Where are they all? They're all screaming that they need more money. They're giving themselves raises and bonuses. Where are you in this solving the problem chain? Yeah. I know there's a lot that could be done on the ER note too. I mean, we could talk about that for a long time, but I will say I wish that more punishment would be in play for people who don't actually need the ER that go to the ER. If you phone 911 and it's not an emergency, there should be a consequence to that. If you go to the ER and it's not an emergency, you're sniffling and that's it. And sincerely, there are people who do that and waste everyone's time. Yep. You should get in trouble for that. But what do you do with the hypochondriacs, though, that run to the hospital every time they've got something? They truly think that they're dying or that there's something wrong with them, even though we can all tell you got a fucking cold. You should drink some orange juice and take a nap. Yeah. You know, I mean, that I don't don't know know either. I don't know. It's not an easy one to deal with. I'm sure. We've also got to find a way to get everybody a family doctor. Yeah. Would you be okay with this? Let me throw this out there. We've got walk-in clinics everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those are basically ATMs for doctors because every single person who comes in is worth a lot of money. So they try and cram as many in as possible. The waiting rooms are insane. Why can't walk-in clinics do more of the traditional ER stuff? You know, the walk-in clinic yeah. is basically just like a walk-in doctor's appointment. But as you know, because you have a family doctor, the family doctor doesn't even really do that much these days anyway. They do their diagnostics and they'll look at your test results and refer you to this person or that person. But there's not a whole lot of medicine being practiced here, it seems anyway. Is it an expense thing maybe? Because some of the machinery is very expensive. You know, I just it think could that, be that I... Um, I think people, longtime listeners will probably know that I was in my 40s when I discovered I have an allergy to naproxen, NSAIDs. It's uh, basically the active ingredient in Advil or Aleve. I can't take any drugs from that family. I have to stay on the Tylenol side or I'll have an anaphylactic reaction. I didn't know I had that allergy until I took an Aleve one day on my way to play golf and almost passed out behind the wheel. But I did manage to steer my car into the parking lot of a walk-in clinic. Which is nuts. It was amazing. It was right there. And there was a pharmacy attached to it. So I got into the walk-in clinic. It was Holly Medical Clinic in Milton. I pulled into the parking lot. I somehow, I don't even remember, got myself out of the car. I walked into the pharmacy. I said to the pharmacist, I need help and passed out right there. So the doctors from the walk-in clinic behind, two of them working at the time, they came out. 
they helped me up, took me into the, the doctor's area there in the back, and they said, okay, we're going to phone 911. And I thought, why? You're a fucking doctor. <laughs> why would you call 911? They're like, yeah, we, don't, uh, we, we can't treat you here. We're going to have to send yeah. you to the hospital. And I'm like, why? You're a fucking doctor. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, give me an EpiPen, and I could probably solve this problem myself. Why do I need to go in an ambulance to the ER? It doesn't make any sense. I was actually there in front of doctors who were like, well, call an ambulance and send them to other doctors. Was it a liability thing? Like, did they ever really clarify with you? I don't know. Like, hmm. honest to God, the system doesn't make sense. All I know no. is that we're taxed more than most nations on earth because of this goddamn healthcare system, and it doesn't work. What I do see working is people that need a hip replacement are getting a hip replacement. Yeah. People that need cataract surgery are getting it because they're going to private clinics, actual businesses yeah. run by business people. Or they're going to the States to get it done. Or they're going to the States. To, and that was going to be my next point. If you yeah. need an MRI. I know people in that boat that are this close, this close, just saying, fuck it. And, and, and going. And just pay. Yeah. Yeah. If you need an MRI, don't fuck around in Ontario. Not until we get more MRI clinics. And those would be very helpful too. Hey, if you want to spend the money to buy an MRI, You'll be a millionaire Mm -hmm. quick. Mm -hmm. You just got to put down that initial investment because the province will pay the bill. There's an endless stream of patients that need that. But listen, if you need an MRI, an x-ray, heavy-duty blood work, any of that sort of shit, get the hell out of here. Go Mm -hmm. south of the border. It's going to cost you a little bit of money, probably not nearly as much as you think it's going to cost, but just because of the scare stories that we hear about the states and how much they cost. Go down to the States, get yourself an MRI. You're probably going to get served a coffee while you're waiting. They'll probably, I don't know, valet your car for you. Like they do it right and you get the results instantly and there's no waiting. Yeah. Here you can wait six months and then you have to go to fucking Chatham at three o'clock in the morning to get it done. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Chatham. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean, right? Like, what, what do you mean I got to drive no, four no. hours at three o'clock no, in the morning for an for MRI? Sure. Yeah, for sure. It's a mess. Got to go, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of After 9. We'll have another one out tomorrow. In the meantime, be careful because it's getting bad out there. It's gross out there right now. You know what I'm doing today? What? Guns. Oh, yes, that's right. You're going to um, Range 519 is the name of this gun range. It's just down the street from where we're recording this podcast right now. Yeah. And you're just firing off some guns for fun? Uh, Sort of. So we're going to do a promotion with them on the radio. And we're going to give people an opportunity to go and do it. Because I've been to the range many times. I love practicing shooting because there's a real art to it and shooting outdoors is very different from shooting indoors because of the wind there's a lot of factors that go into it it truly is a sport that requires a great deal of ability not everybody's got a gun but if you go to a place like this they've got the guns there so if you just want to shoot at some targets with a i don't know a 22 long rifle okay fine sure you can do it you want to go and shoot with a handgun you want to go and shoot with a semi-automatic AR whatever, you can do it. They have those there. It's neat. Mm-hmm. Me, I just like to shoot the rifles and just get a scope dialed in and get some good clean shots going. I want you to take that paper home with you, the target paper. You oh, I can do, do that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, it's a great spot and it is open to just about anybody who wants to do it. Uh, I recommend it, but I will be able to tell you more about this particular facility tomorrow because I'm going to tour it in about an hour and uh, I'll probably throw something up on Instagram too. Cool. Scott Fox on air. Cat on air. Cat with a K is Cat's Voice Instagram. Voice of Cat. Voice of Cat. Oh shit. Voice of Cat. Voice of Cat. Cat with a K. Gotta go everybody. Have a good one. Bye.
The makers of Kraft Singles have announced that they will launch three new flavors for the first time in nearly 10 years, and hopefully one of them is cheese. Well, some news from overseas. I read that Vladimir Putin will soon visit North Korea. Well, we better book his flight soon, because once March hits, North Korea is spring break central. In a recent sermon, Pope Francis warned that pornography brings, quote, satisfaction without relationship. That story again. The Pope is bad at warnings. <laughs> Your warning against pornography shouldn't sound like the tagline for a porn site.